he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Good morning, everyone. Let's see, I'm going to put this over here so we don't get any feedback. This text talks about the fact that God has given power to those who believe to become the sons of God or the children of God. So what he's talking about is is the fact that uh, Human beings, part of a human family, can come into God's eternal family, His divine family. And He said He's going to give those who believe the power. Now that word power can either mean authority or it can mean dynamos, or the type of power we think about when we think about dynamite, just raw power. But He's, he's talking about the fact that we can, we can come out of one family, which is, as I've mentioned, the human family, and transition into a divine family. And I'm talking to people this morning, here and elsewhere, that understand the value of family. The, uh, the nuclear family, as we understand it, has core values that it provides for ourselves and for society and those values involve stability when you're part of a family you're stable you have stability you you have ground that you can stand on that doesn't shake and doesn't tremble and doesn't move under your feet because your family is strong and stable and it provides cohesiveness you're bound together you're bonded you have a bonded Sometimes it takes a disaster in order to elicit how strong that bond actually is. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's simply distress of mind and heart. But the family provides a cohesiveness that then gives us strength and it it gives us a continuity of life. We can just keep on keeping on because we're part of a family. Now, as I'm talking about this, you're probably thinking about your own personal family. And that's true. And the, uh, the personal family provides all of that. And that's why it's, it's very difficult today to live in the society we're living in here and other places, Europe and Asia and India, so forth, Africa, Russia. It's difficult because the nuclear family is under heavy attack. Uh, society is saying that there is no core value in the human family. We need to dissipate that family. We need to distribute its strength. We need to assimilate that family into other forms of society and not be so concerned about core values that the nuclear family, man, woman, and child, provides. So it's tough. It's tough living in this kind of society because 
we know that the family that we understand and are part of is under, under attack. Well, God knows how important a family is. And as you read through the Bible, of course, you're, you're impressed with that. But you should be impressed with the fact that God chose a family in order to crown humanity with the richest blessings that could be conceived. He chose a particular family in order to bring that about. A core family. Uh, uh, individuals. Start, he started out by choosing a man called Abraham and uh, made a promise to Abraham that through him, his particular personal family, he was going to bless all families of the earth. Every family in the world would receive a blessing from God. Now, people understood that, and I, I think we need to understand it too, that people who read the Bible in the Old Testament, especially as you read the Old Testament, and as it delineates all the different things that are going on between God and man, that blessings were consisted of people prospering, doing well, having good health, having good circumstances, having plenty to eat, having warm clothes to wear, having good crops to harvest, having money to put aside, having all the provisions they need. Now that's what the world understood as and still understands as blessings. And so when God told Abraham, he said, I will bless all families of the earth, that immediately pops into someone's mind and said, okay, things are going to get better and stay better. They're going to be rosy and get rosier as we go along. Now we'll, we'll examine that in just a minute. But, but initially, that's what God did with this family. He took them and said, I, okay, I'm going to take you as a family. And I'm going to read that, by the way. In the, let's read it in, in the Genesis chapter 12, just so we make sure that, that we're on the right track. Here's God talking to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, that was his name before it was changed to Abraham, it was A-B-R-A-M, but late, we know it as Abraham. He said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from your kindred. In other words, get away from your family. That's, now that would be, that would be heart stopping, wouldn't it? If someone came today and said, "Okay, I want to, I want you away from your family. I'm going to take you, the daughter. I'm going to get you away from your family." Wow. So that had to take a lot of faith from Abraham, didn't it? He he had to stand up and say, "Lord, I'm coming with you, but I'm I'm unsure. I, I'm really, I'm going to have to depend on you completely." Well, get away from your kindred, from your father's house, unto a land that I'll show thee. And I will make you, he said, I'm going to make you, Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to make a family out of Abraham. And I will bless you. Now, that Abraham understood it just like we did. Just like we did. Things are going to get better for you, Abraham. Things are going to go well for you. I'm going to take care of you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you, and in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. 
So in Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless all families of the earth, all of you. Now, Abraham had a son by the name of Isaac. And Isaac took a wife, and this is kind of interesting to me. Isaac took a wife of the kindred of Abraham. He went back to Abraham's brother, son's house, and married a girl by the name of Rebekah. She was, in, in our terminology, she was, she was the first cousin, she was the cousin first removed. So she was the granddaughter of Abraham's brother. And so Abraham, Sarah actually sent the servant of Abraham to that country to a, a man by the name of Laban of Terah to get a wife for his son Isaac. And so we're seeing the, the family being developed. The nuclear family, if you please. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, and then it expands to, to Isaac and Rebekah. And then Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. You remember the story how that Jacob got the blessings, procured the blessings from, Abraham, from his father Isaac. And Esau did not. Esau was a hairy man and Jacob was a man that that was a smooth and skin and texture and so forth. Anyway, he, he was able to uh, uh, obtain the blessing of his father. So from Jacob came 12 boys called later on the 12 sons of Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. This is just a little catch up here. Everybody understand. I think everybody that I'm talking to understands what I'm saying. You've read your Bible, you know. So that these boys were called Israel. Israel then migrated into Egypt because of Joseph, one of the twelve boys, the next the last boy that was born, Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph was next to the youngest. He went into Egypt. There he found favor with the Pharaoh. And when there was a drought, then he sent for his parents and his family. And by that time, that family had reached the number of 75 souls. So 75 people were brought into Egypt and given a, a great country, a great part of the land, a wonderful part of the land, because they, they were cowboys, but they were cattle keepers. They kept, they kept uh, swine, and not swine, but they kept uh, beeves and so forth. They kept cattle, and so the Egyptians did not like to keep cattle. They kept cattle and sheep. The Egyptians were, were into uh, cotton and into uh, grains and so forth. So they, they kind of se segregated this group that were not just farmers, but they were tenders of cattle, separated them into a land called Goshen, which was a productive land. After 400 years, another Pharaoh arose that didn't know Israel, and so he put a lot of pressure on them. And that's when Moses brought them out of the land of Egypt, and he took them into, uh, he took them into the wilderness in order to get them to the land of milk and honey. What I'm talking about is the fact that God is keeping his family together. He's not letting them assimilate. They did not assimilate. You know, when I'm, I moved years ago, it's been many years ago, 1957, I moved to Southern California in the Los Angeles area. And at that time, we were in college, we were being told that the Los Angeles, the Los Angeles area was a great melting pot of humanity, which meant that all of the 
cultures and all the ethnicities were melding together in one big melting pot and assimilating different uh, the characters of each other. And that was good. Except for the fact that when that happens, then families lose identity. So God said, I'm not going to let my people assimilate in the world. I want to keep them together. And I'm not going to let them intermarry. As a matter of fact, he, he uh, told them that there were seven nations in particular that they could not intermarry with. So he kept them together. They were called Israel. Kept them together. And he kept them together by the method of a law. The law of Moses given in the wilderness. Exodus 19, 20, and 21. You can read about that law. But as long as these people kept that law and kept themselves together. And he said, I'll also give you a place where you can come to meet together and you can come to worship. And that place was at the tabernacle, the temple, that he, he built the tabernacle the wilderness. Then when they came into the city, into the land of uh, Canaan, they built the uh, tabernacle at Jerusalem under Solomon. Solomon's the guy that did it, the son of David. They built the tabernacle into a temple at Jerusalem. And that's where Israel would come together as a family. They'd come together, offer sacrifices, and observe the law and encourage one another so that they kept this idea of the bond of the family together. They were to be together. Well, as with most families, problems arose. And at the death of Solomon, two boys rose up in conflict with one another, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And uh, Rehoboam was to take charge of the nation and Jeroboam was not really he wasn't related to the kings but he saw an opportunity to pull away part of the children of Israel and segregate or split the family now I'm talking to people in this audience that knows what a split family is all about it is the ugliest thing on earth a family split and staying split that's what happened. Jeroboam said, I'm going to take ten of you tribes of Israel and we're going to separate ourselves from you. We're going, we're going, to, going to go somewhere else. As a matter of fact, we're not going to meet with you anymore. We're not going to meet together. We're going to meet. Jeroboam said, here's the way to do it. He said he knew if everybody kept meeting together, they'd finally resolve their differences. They'd make up. They'd get, they'd get better. So he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to place a place up in the north called Dan and a place down in the south called Bethel. And he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to build monuments there and a place there for those two places so it's more convenient for you to go there if you're north, more convenient for you to go there if you're south. And he built some idols. And he divided them and then he also destroyed their, their purity of their hearts by taking them into idolatry. So that's when the 12 tribes were split into two tribes and 10. Now understand that uh, when we talk about the two tribes that split, Judah and Benjamin stayed in the area with, under the kings of, of uh, Judah and the lineage of David with Solomon and his sons. And they stayed around Jerusalem. And eventually, by the time of Jesus, they became known as Jews. 
Now, they were never known as Jews. When you start reading the Old Testament and you start talking, calling Israel a Jew, they weren't Jews. They were Israelites. They were never called Jews until the time of after the Maccabees, about 400 years before Christ. In that space of time, they began, began to be called Jews because they were in the land of Judah. Now, they're called Jews today. And some of them claim descendancies back to the, some of the other tribes. But basically, that's, that's what, what they became, Jews. And from the Jews came Jesus. Now, watch it. We're looking for a promise coming so that God is going to put a crown on humanity and bless all nations. How's he going to get it done? He's going to bring it through Abraham, but Abraham is starting to disintegrate. His family started to come apart at the seams. Ten of the, the majority of them left. Now you only have two small tribes, and they're in, they're in a small area of Judea, called Judah or Judea, in the area of Canaan. And when Jesus came to this earth, he came as a descendant of the Jews, of Judah and Benjamin. He, he was of the descendancy of Judah because his father's ancestors was David, the king of Israel. He was, he was the son of Judah himself, one of the sons. Not the direct son, but he was of the descendancy, descendancy of Judah. Now, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, at verse 6, and Matthew 15, 24, Jesus said he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Whatever lost sheep were there. But he was the one who was chosen of God to bring about that promise that God made to Abraham to that family. Now, I know we're getting a little complicated here, or a little extensive, but what we're looking at is trying to find that blessing that's encased in that family. There's a blessing in that family. And the family seems to be deteriorating and dissolving and exploding, destructing. And now then we have just a few left in that area, but lo and behold, here's Jesus. And he's the one that the family was to bring down to the point that God could bless all humanity and bring you into his family. Get you in his family. And give you the power to get into his family. You know, I, we, we can't emphasize enough the fact that when we talk about being in a family, we're talking about an honor and a privilege and a position of, of blessing. When you're part of a good, 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 decent, honest strengthening, supporting family, you are enriched. You are totally enriched as an individual. So now we're trying to get we're trying to get through this major family of Abraham that is becoming tattered around the edges and torn and disrupted. We're trying to get to get to that kernel of the blessing and it's coming through one individual. One individual is going to arise and bring that blessing about. And his name is Jesus. And so we have two, two uh, genealogies in the New Testament. One in Matthew chapter 1 and the other in Luke chapter 3. Genealogies of Jesus to show that he came along that line of descendants down to the point 
that he can bring that blessing to us. That he can make me a part of his family. Make you a part of his family. That you, he can give you the power to become part of that family. The, uh, the text says, the Bible t- tells us very, very plainly, that through Jesus, we're going to have access by one spirit unto the Father. And it, the, 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 uh, I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 2 now, starting out with verse 11. It's kind of a lengthy reading. It says, Wherefore remember that you being in times past Gentiles. In other words, you were not part of his family. Not part of his family. You're genealog- genealogically, you're not part of his family. Now, Abraham was, was chosen of God, but that doesn't mean that Abraham and his descendants were God's family, but they were chosen to bring about a promise that all of us could be part of his family. They were, that was his design. It says, Wherefore, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in this present world. So everyone outside the family of God is without hope. No hope. Not part of his family. You're just out there, you're part of the human family, but you're not part of his family. A lot of people say, well, when you're born, you're in God's family. Well, you are to start with, but then you step out. When you start sinning, then you you choose to get out of his family, and you leave home. Now, how do you get back? That's the the big problem. And the way you get back, of course, is through Jesus Christ. Because this text says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself of one of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and preached peace unto you which are far off and to those that were near. For through, through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and of the household of God. So there's some way we get back. And the way we get into God's family is through Jesus Christ. That's the way we come. And you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom also you're built together for habitation of God through the Spirit. But we are of the household of God because Jesus Christ came according to the promise through that family to establish his own family, family of the faithful. Now God's purpose for creating that family of Israel was to produce Jesus, that heir who would bring heaven's richest blessings, this earth, upon every individual in every nation. Every individual in every nation can be part of God's family through Jesus Christ. Unhappily, though, unhappily, those who brought it, brought Jesus, missed the boat. They missed the boat. Israel, the ones who were carrying the the promise 
down to the time of Jesus, missed the boat. They didn't come in. In Romans chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, it says, Who are Israelites? To whom pertains the adoption and the glory and the covenants, the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. He's talking about the Israelites. Whose are the fathers and of whom are concerning Christ, the flesh have come, who is over all and God blessed forever. But in Romans chapter 10 at verse 1 says, Paul said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. In other words, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They, being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Now, here's what we have to keep in mind. That when God held that family together, He held them together by law. So if these people all were doing the same thing that the law dictated, they were all in keeping the law. They were all within the framework of that family. But when someone stepped outside the law, they were stepping outside the benefits of that family. And that's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. Matter of fact, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all are lost. When Jesus came and John came and they came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand, you know what people did? They threw up their hands and said, what are you talking about? Repent? We're God's family. They didn't realize that God developed them, Abraham and his descendants, to bring about Jesus who could bring them into God's family. They were in Abraham's family. And that's what they said all the time. They said, hey... We're Abraham's seed. We don't need to be baptized. What are you talking about? Repent. And they resisted Jesus. They didn't want they, they resisted the counsel of God against themselves because they felt like they were alright. They were already in God's eternal family. They were not. They were in that temporary family to bring about the eternal family, which is the family of God body of Christ, the church of Christ. It's the church that Jesus established on the day of Pentecost in order for people to come into His family by faith, by obedience. Well, let's think about it just a minute. These people disrupted themselves. They, 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 were, uh, they, weren't, uh, they weren't understanding what was going on. And yet, Revelation chapter 11 verse 5 says, there is a remnant according to grace. So not all of Israel was lost. Because some of them, when they understood what was happening with Jesus, they submitted themselves to Him. And they did what Jesus said. They believed that Jesus was the Christ. And then they, they, they became, or they gained the power that God had given them to become the children of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, You are all the children of God because you're of Abraham? No. Because you are a Jew? No. Because you are a descendant of Benjamin? No. You're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's the way it goes. He said, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, why would anybody ever, been, ever be baptized? Because they believe in Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said, told the apostles. Go preach the gospel to all the world. 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What do you mean be saved? You're going to be introduced into the kingdom of God. You're going to be brought into the kingdom of God. You're going to be brought into the family of God. You're going to be part of that family. Where there's sustenance, where there's nurture, where there's strength, where there's stability, where there's continuity, where there's cohesiveness, you're going to be brought into the greatest family ever known on this earth. And it's not Israel. It's Christ. You're coming into Christ. You're coming into the kingdom of God. You're becoming a part of God's family. And as part of His family, you're going to enjoy all the blessings that heaven has provided for us. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, he said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family in heaven and earth is in Jesus Christ. Now, here we have it. The family of God is unlike the family of Israel in several distinct ways. Now, I bring this up because people are thinking in terms of Israel because they've they thought this way for a long time. And there's still a large contingency of folks that believe that the greatest blessing you're ever going to have is good health, good circumstances, plenty of money, good crops, good business ventures, good surroundings, everything going your way. Now that's not what God has promised. As a matter of fact, He's promised that there, we may have some difficulties while, while we're on this earth. But He has promised heaven. Now if you ask me what is in heaven, I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I don't know, but it's going to be good. There'll be no tears in heaven. There'll be no tears shed. There'll be no suffering, no sorrow, no departing, no goodbyes and so forth in heaven. We'll be like the angels of God, but it's a wonderful place. If you're hurting today, understand this. If you get to heaven, you won't be hurting. If you're limping today, understand this. You won't be limping in heaven. If you can't see well today, understand this. You'll be able to see in heaven. If you can't hear... You have to say, huh, 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 all the time. You won't say, you never have to say, huh, in heaven, because you can hear. Everything will be fine in heaven. What, what will go on, I don't know. But I do know this, it's going to be far better than what we have here. Yet at that time, while we're getting there, we're in God's family, and He's taking care of us in His family. Like I said before, the, the family of God here has continuity. Now then, in God's family here, now, you don't have to go to a certain place in order to find him. That's what Jesus told the woman at the well of Samaria. Remember? She came and she said, Our father said that we need to go to this mountain to worship God. And you said Jerusalem. Jesus said the days are coming when neither in this mountain or Jerusalem will men worship God. But they that worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't get together. Isn't it lovely that we can be together? As a family, that's wonderful that we can be together. But the point is, we don't have to all be together in order to be part of the family. These are kind of reunions, weekly reunions we have when we can get together. But Israel said, under the old law, they had to go to Jerusalem in order to meet with God. They had to be there. And the men were told that 
just the men, by the way, had that responsibility. And uh, apparently they passed it on to their families. But they had to be in Jerusalem three times a year under the Old Testament law. So we don't have to do that. We're in the family of God, and we can have our reunion whenever we want to, when we, when we find those who have the same faith that we have in His Son, Jesus Christ. For by faith you say, for by grace you save through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So we can have faith in God, and that makes us, that helps us identify our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, because we believe in Jesus, our faith in Him. Jesus said that, uh, Paul said that I make all things new, Revelation 21 verse 5, or John said that. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, he is a new creation. So you don't have to go somewhere to find God. He is with you always. He is in your heart by faith. He dwells in your heart. We are one in Christ. We have, like I said before, we have, as a family of God, we have the stability that we need and the continuity that we need. And we do not have the same strictures that Israel had. Now, Israel had strictures in terms of rituals. They had to perform certain rituals. And if they didn't perform these rituals just right, they were in error. And they condemned each other for it. But the, the rituals were very elaborate, as a matter of fact. They, uh, they took care that they had to make sure that everything went in order when they went up to the temple and when they offered sacrifices and so forth. But ritualism is not contained in the New Testament. That was the law. So in order to worship God, we're not looking at rituals to worship Him. We're looking at heart activity. In, in uh, Hebrews chapter 8 at verse 8, and here's, here's why I know that, because this is a quotation from Jeremiah 31, 31. It says, For finding fault with them, he's talking about Israel, he said, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. In other words, the family broke up, as we've already noted. This is the covenant, he said, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. All that said is this, that in the family of God, becoming a part of the family of God, you become a part of the family of God because you share the same blood. Now the blood you're sharing is the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. You've heard, you've heard the expression all, several times, I'm sure. Blood is everything. What they mean is, we're related. So blood is everything. Strangers don't matter, but blood matters. Well, blood does matter. And the blood of Jesus Christ matters because that's the blood that flows in the veins of every believer in Christ, the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. We are bound together, not by a law, but we're bound together by love, by concern. We're bound together by faith. We're bound together as a people by Jesus Christ. When Jesus suggested to Peter and his apostles, he made a suggestion in Matthew chapter 19. And that suggestion was when a young fellow came along and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus 
told him he had to sell everything he had. You remember that story? Amen. Then uh, the young man said, he went away sorrowful. He said, I don't think I can do that. And then Peter, that kind of struck Peter. He thought, well, in order to be in the kingdom of God, I've got to give up everything. And so, in verse 27 of Matthew 19, it says, Peter said, Behold, we've forsaken all, and we've followed you. What should we have there, thereafter? What should we get? What are we going to have? Now think about it. If you decide you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to make some sacrifices. You may give up your earthly family. You may step out of your family circle and say, I can't continue with you because... The things you're doing keep me from my God. You may do that. You may say, I, I, I have obligations. I, I, I need to do what the Lord wants me to do. I believe in Jesus Christ, and you don't, and you don't, you're trying to keep me from it. You want me to do things that I, I believe are wrong. I can't stay with you. And that's what was bothering Peter. Peter said, we've forsaken all. Now what do we have? What do we have? And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, You that have followed me in the regeneration, that's the new birth, when you're born again, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, and that's where he's sitting right now, on the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, he's talking to the apostles, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, because they were going to be setting forth the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That would perform the basis of judgment. And he said, everyone, he's talking about everyone there, every one of you that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold. Shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit next everlasting life. What do, you mean, what do you mean I'm going to receive a hundredfold? My friend, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and has submitted their will to Him, is my brother or my sister in Christ. We're in the same family. And isn't it wonderful when we run across someone that we could see as one of our relatives? There they are, and, and it, it strengthens us. And it, it stabilizes us. And it gives us cohesiveness and it brings us together and it gives us purpose in life and it gives us our faith in our fellow man and our faith in our Lord. When you're translated out of this world into the world of Jesus Christ, you're transformed into God's eternal family. That's where you'll find kindred souls, those who share your ideals and your values God's family is supportive. God's family is stable. God's family is reliable. And God's family is loving. God will surround you with His people and He will nourish you until it's time for you to leave this earth and then He'll receive you into halls of glory after a while because you have been given the power to come into the family of God. God bless you in, in your effort. God help you do that. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, tell other people. Tell them. I believe. I believe that He's the Son of God. And when you tell other people, then submit yourself. Become a new person. Get in the family.
Be baptized for the remission of your sins. To rise, to walk in newness of life. Be with others who believe that. Feel the strength and the power and the goodness that it comes from being in the right family with the right people, with the right God who's above us all, with the right Savior who loves us. God help you do that.